the importance of managing your expectations with your goals, the profound lesson that our parents taught us with regards to leadership, how to learn not to beat yourself up, how to achieve balance in your life, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 384, which is part two of my conversation with my big bro, Connor Carrier. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, Nick Carrier. I believe that the path to get closer to the best version of yourself is different for all of us, but I believe it follows the same framework. You see, our lives have six different areas, health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational. And in order to get closer to the best version of ourselves, we wanna learn how to manage all of those areas at all times, but also be spiking in one of them. If you wanna learn how to do this, then check out my free Best You Planner and Video course at nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Again, nickcarrier.com slash best journey. I'm super excited to bring you guys part two of my conversation with my brother, Connor Carrier. Part two is gonna be more of my brother actually interviewing me about things like goal setting, about things like following through with the promises that you make to yourself, about things related to balancing the different areas of your life and being on that constant journey of getting closer to the best version of yourself. So make sure you're subscribing to the Best You Podcast and the Apple Podcast app if you enjoy this. Make sure you share it with a friend or family member by sending them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And I would love it if you enjoy it to leave a five-star rating and review. But here we go, part two of getting closer to your best you with the one and only Connor Carrier. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a good segue into, uh, you know, some of the things I want to talk about with you, which is, I mean, kind of the, the theme we're talking about with, with money. I mean, I just stepped on the scale, like it all relates to each other. It's like, these are kind of the same phenomenons. Like we're, we're human beings and we have a spectrum of behavior. When you decide that you're going to improve your life in some kind of area, whether it's money or your fitness or your career or relationships, whatever it is, it's like, it is kind of scary to, you know, look, look in the mirror. Cause I mean, we're so like emotionally attached to ourselves. And I think the thing that I've found and I think I'm relatively good at it is just kind of removing emotion and looking at, at things objectively and just saying, okay, my emotions can play tricks on me, but if I just, if I'm just honest about where I'm at currently, which requires, you know, looking at the monster in the closet sometimes, then you have an actual starting point, an actual good, honest starting point. I think that's, is actually funny. Cause I feel like I was thinking about this kind of, I wanted to walk this morning. I never go on walks, but it was a beautiful morning. So I went on the walk and I feel like I was thinking about this in the sense that you hit it on the head. We are so emotionally tied to ourselves so that if we see something about ourselves that is off or that is wrong or that is not where we could be or should be, we have an emotional reaction and it, it startles us and it causes us to want to put our attention elsewhere and put our energy elsewhere and not actually confront the monster in the closet. But I feel like, like you said, it's about having an objective look about where you currently are trying not to attach emotion to it and realizing that who you are right now doesn't have to be who you're going to be tomorrow. It doesn't have to be who you're going to be next week. And so only 
Can you be a different version of you tomorrow? Can you be a different version of you next week if you know who you are today and you know the improvements that you need to make? And so it does require you to be adaptable or adept at not having that emotionally charged response to seeing yourself be less than you could be right now. Yeah, 100%. I think one of the most difficult things to do obviously, but I think is, you know, somewhat necessary is to try to look at yourself in the third person. Try to kind of like stand away from yourself and look at yourself as if you are, you know, one of your friends or or family members. You brought up Jordan Peterson just a, a minute ago, but one of the things that I've heard him say that I've incorporated and has really helped me is just treat yourself as if you were someone that you are taking care of as if you are someone that, that you're caring for. And if you do that, you would never say the kind of kinds of things you say to yourself sometimes to uh, a friend or a family member. I mean, maybe some people would, but <laughs> when I think about when I've kind of fallen short or, or not done something that I told myself I wanted to do, like I've beat myself up in the mirror before, but shame, shame is not a good tactic. I mean, maybe in the short run, but it's not sustainable in, in any way. So, you know, just kind of being, you can definitely be hard on yourself and hold yourself to a high standard, but also be kind and forgiving to yourself when you're not, you know, doing exactly what, you know, you said you were going to do what you told yourself you're going to do. Yeah. No, I think this is something that I've been talking a lot about recently and one of the things that I've, I've said for a while now is that when you go to hold yourself accountable and see that you did not follow through, you want to approach yourself with curiosity rather than criticism. And you can relate to this because we obviously had the same parents. One of the things you maybe have heard me say, I even literally made it on my social media post recently and I talked about at the my latest Top Golf event is that I think self-leadership is a balance of love and accountability. It's a balance of caring about the current version of yourself and caring about the future version of yourself. And I also think that that's a profound leadership skill of parenting as well. And as you can relate, I feel like mom is the parent who cares 80 to 90% about the current version of ourself and is there to hug us when we're down and, and tell us she loves us and tell us everything's okay. Whereas dad, you may be th- 30% cares about us now, 70% cares about us in the future. And he's the one who's going to make sure that we have our finances straight. He's going to be the one who asks us questions about our house that we don't want to address at the moment. He's the one who's looking out for the version of ourselves that we're going to be in six months, one year, one year, six years down the road. And that's a powerful leadership duo as a parenting duo, but it's also the leadership skills that you need to develop with yourself because you need to not beat yourself up and not place shame upon yourself. But at the same time, if you're having a hard day, the answer is I'm not, I'm just going to treat myself to a bowl of ice cream and Netflix tonight. Like sure, that might make the current version of yourself feel good, but how about the version of yourself that you're going to be tomorrow or next week? That's not going to be very helpful for that person. So it's always a, a balance of love and accountability of current version of you and future version of you. Yeah, that's such a good way of putting it too. And I don't think I had thought about that as it relates to mom and dad. Well, and honestly, there's still times when dad will say things and you all roll my eyes, but it makes me less susceptible to doing that. It makes me like, okay, 
fine. He's caring about you in one year. They appreciate it. Right. Cause you have, you also have the benefit of hindsight. You know, you're, you're glad that he made you do things that you didn't want to do at the time. Right. I think an important thing that, I mean, another thing that I've been trying to get better at recently, cause I'm definitely more on the, on the dad scale, like really focused on the future. Sometimes I'm, uh, you know, not, not here in the present, you know, better than anybody, my famous zoning outs. (laughs) I mean, it's obviously important to focus on the future, but if, if you're able to kind of not separate them, not, not feel like they're, they're separate. If you can, you know, care about your future self and your present self at, at the same time, because at the end of the day, like the only place you will ever be existing is the present. It's, It's not like your present time is going to end and then future time is coming forward. It's like the future is constantly being converted to the present. No, you, you hundred percent nailed it on the head. And I think the way, the way that translates is you want to make the things that are tasks that are looking out for the future version of yourself enjoyable today. You know what it's like your career, your job, the way you make money is supporting the future version of you and you want to find a job that you enjoy today. You, the, whatever you do with your nutrition, whatever you do with your fitness is supporting the future version of yourself and making sure the future version of you is healthy. But you also want to make sure that the healthy food that you're eating, you actually enjoy it. And you want to make sure that whatever fitness routine you're doing, you actually enjoy it. So it's like do tasks today that support the future version of you, but tasks today that you enjoy today. Yep. So that that's a perfect segue into best you because, you know, how is it that you help people, you know, enjoy that process in the present? It's like, you know, best you, when you, when you talk about best you, it's like you, you have this kind of almost ideal form of yourself that you want to work toward. We're never going to like, you know, truly arrive, but you have this kind of ideal that you want to work toward. And, you know, one of the, one of the traps that I've fallen constantly and that everyone seems to fall in is trying to do too much at one time. And when you try to do too much at one time, that is very unenjoyable, right? (laughs) So one of the things that I've, I've learned from you, and I remember one of your early interviews with the, when you first interviewed Chris McChesney, And, you know, you're talking about the four D's of discipline and that kind of stuff and the kind of light bulb going off in your head and then going off in my head of just like, you know, you can't, you can't move things forward too quickly. Like it's just small steps. So tell me about what that was like when that light first went off in your head where you're like, okay, you know, I, I heard this. It, it makes sense, but, you know, for some reason, my mind is fertile for it right now. And I, I understand it and now I can learn to apply it to fitness and other things. So what, yeah, what was that like? Yeah. So I feel like it all started off with me probably three and a half, four years ago, seeing this framework that Tony Robbins showed in a video where there's belief, actions, and results are all tied together. You have a certain level of belief around your own abilities and your own knowledge and your own experience. And that 
level of belief that you have determines what level of action that you're going to take. And the level of action that you take is going to determine the results that you get. And therefore, the results that you get are going to fuel your belief. So for example, to translate it to weight loss, if you will, if you believe that a diet or a fitness plan is going to get you the desired result of losing 10 pounds, you're likely to take action. And hopefully if you get actions, you see the results, therefore fueling your belief, therefore getting you to take more action and better results and more belief. And it's an upward spiral and it's, and it's a great thing. But the problem is what happens if you don't get the results? Because if results are the things that fuel your belief, which gets you to take action, but you're not getting results to fuel your belief, then what happens? And that's what happens with so many people is they start to do something, but because results are not all that closely related in time and space, they stop believing in the action that they're taking and then they'll stop. And it's usually a gradual process, right? Some people will start a diet or fitness plan and they'll do it for a good solid two, three, four weeks, but then they haven't lost the six, seven, eight, nine, 10 pounds, whatever it is. And so they lose belief that this diet plan or fitness plan is going to work. And so they kind of fall off it a little bit and they get bad results and they kind of lose even more belief and they fall off and get bad results. And that's when I realized two different things, really. One, the importance of, I guess there's really three. It's like one in managing your expectations around your results. Two, being patient about your results. But then three is kind of the trick on how to be patient. And that's the importance of small wins. And so the first one I said is you want to set your set right expectations around your results. And one of the things that I t teach people in the 10-week transformation is the goal that you set your, for yourself needs to be a balance of meaningful and believable. It needs to be meaningful. It needs to be big enough that really fires you up and gets you going, but it needs to be believable. It needs to be something that you truly believe that you can achieve and it's realistic. And so that's step number one is set the realistic expectation around your goal, having that balance of meaningful and believable. Second one is realize that success is supposed to take time because it requires you to form the habits necessary to sustain it. Realize you have to have patience because actions and results are not always closely related in time and space. You have to continue that workout plan. You have to continue the healthy eating over a prolonged period of time in order to get the results that you actually want. And then that last part is the small wins. The only way you can experience small wins and get the dopamine hit that small wins provide you is if you're tracking something on a regular basis. Is if you're not just tracking the number on the scale, but you're actually tracking your workouts every single day. You're actually tracking your meals during the week. Because once you see yourself following through with the workouts on a daily basis, with the meals on a daily basis, that result, that check mark, that completion then becomes rewarding to you in relationship to that longer term goal. And so you have to set those smaller wins. And then the last part that kind of brings it all together, which I know that has had an impact on you is the importance of defining success, not just based on the result, but on following through with the promises that you make to yourself. Because ultimately, the number on, you can only control the number on the scale so much. You can only control so many different things in your life to a certain degree. But when you, what you do have a high level of control over is whether or not you follow through, is whether or not you take action. So if you can become the person who 
gets that dopamine hit, who gets that internal reward of gratification after having just done something that you said you were going to do, that's when the result doesn't matter nearly as much. And it's funny because one of the things that I've thought a lot about with me last year when I set the goal of running a 445 mile and then I got 446, you know, I wish I ran a second faster, but at the end of the day, I didn't really care that much that I got 446 and not 445 because success for me was only partially about getting to that goal. Success for me was being consistent with a running plan and following through with doing what I said I was going to do and becoming the type of person who is willing to dedicate themselves to that plan over a prolonged period of time. And because I did that and I saw myself follow through, I had that gratification of success. And it's just super important. Again, you have to have realistic expectations around your goals. You have to be meaningful and believable. Then you have to have patience because actions and results are not always closely related in time and space. You have to lay out small wins for yourself and actually write them down to enable yourself to experience them, to actually have the tangible evidence of the small wins. And then overarching all of that is you only want to define a certain a part of your success based off of the results that you realize. The other bigger portion of success needs to be f- defined as you following through with the promises that you make to yourself. Man, I still can't, still can't believe you, you didn't get that 445 mile. Man. <laughs> I, it's honestly unbelievable. It's honestly unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Connor, I said all of that great stuff and the first thing that you have to respond. <laughs> 446, man, that's uh, that's impressive. That's fast. You said, no, it, it's like, all, I, I just say all these things and you're like, yeah, you still suck for only getting 446. Yeah, I, need, I needed to poke you a little bit. No, that was great. But I think the the phrase that, you know, you used and then, I mean, I, I've started using it as well and I kind of have your voice in my mind a little bit. Just, you know, you're the first person who I heard say the phrase like following through with the promises you make to yourself. And I mean, that's that's got to be like, and I've heard you say, you know, that's the most important skill you you can you know possibly develop and i mean i just have to agree like we're constantly making promises to ourselves we're we're constantly telling ourselves that that we're going to do things we're going to lose weight we're going to go on some kind of workout program we're going to you know do this like we're, we're constantly telling ourselves like from now on this is what i'm going to be like the trick and the art which is what you know your program and what you just described is all about is like, how do you design your life around actually realistic incremental improvement? That's got to be the toughest part, you know, when you're, when you're trying to decide, okay, what do I, what do I do next? Like you're trying, most of the time you try to bite off this massive, you know, you, you try to take this massive bite, but it's like, no, the other part of that, which you also just described is like building the habit of following through with the promises you make to yourself. And the only way you're going to make that a habit is, is starting small and gaining momentum. And that really is the hardest part. I can't tell you how many times I've kind of like set a new goal. And for two weeks, you know, I'm just gung ho on it and I'm like, go, go, go. And then something comes up where I'm not able to 
work out for a few days or I have to spend money and fix my car or something like that. It's like when you're taking small steps, missing a few days or even a week without doing kind of that incremental improvement, it, it doesn't feel as bad. And then another thing you've been talking about is, you know, developing your ability to self-correct, like be kind to yourself. It's not a, it's not a big deal. Like you're still on track. You just kind of got slightly off track for a couple of days. It's like, you're still above where you started at. Just, you know, get back on, keep going, have a short memory and, and keep going. And the other thing I, the, to, to touch on kind of what you actually mentioned earlier when we were talking about confronting the unknown and the scale and finances and challenges in different areas of your life. The reason why I think following through with the promises that you make to yourself is the number one skill that we can develop is because life is a set of problems, right? Life is a set of problems and opportunities that we face in what I believe is the six areas of your life, your health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational. And you touched on earlier in our conversation about how the problems that we face in the other areas of your life are kind of the same problem to a certain extent. There, It's unknown, it's uncertainty, it's challenge. And so the idea of following through with the promises that you make to yourself is the solution to all the problems. It's the solution to the set of problems. It's not the solution to your weight loss problems, to your weight loss goal. It's not the solution to your financial problem. It is the solution to all problems is mastering following through the promises that you make to yourself. And I think it's empowering for people to realize that you have more answers than you think you do. I think a lot of people lie to themselves that they don't know how to do certain things to honestly comfort themselves and justify their lack of being everything that they could be. So it's like a lot of people will say, who are overweight, will say, I just don't really know what I should be eating. I don't really know what exercises I should be doing. It's like, yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Okay, maybe you don't know, have as high level of knowledge as I do about maybe fitness and nutrition or that somebody else does about fitness and nutrition. But like, you know, you shouldn't stuff your face with pizza. You know, you should eat more fruits and vegetables. You know that you need to go a little bit more exercise. You know that you probably need to drink a little bit more water and not as much soda or as much alcohol, right? Like people will say that will lie to themselves that they don't know what to do to justify the problem that they're currently experiencing. And that goes for every area of your life, right? People will say, I don't really know what to do with my finances. And it's like, okay, maybe you didn't know that framework that Connor broke down, but you probably knew you should look at what you're spending. You should see what your actual rent is. You should see how much your utilities are costing. You should see how much you're spending when you go out to eat. You know, you should look at that, but you're still not doing it. And so that's where it's like, okay, if following through the promise that you make to yourself is the solution to all problems, but you need to do it consistently, that's why you have to start small in, in all of them. You can't magnify the issue and, and all the problems and think you have to go to the extreme. It starts somewhere and build the habit and see yourself as the type of person who follows through with the promises that you make to yourself. And then what becomes realistic and what becomes doable gets bigger and bigger as you gain more skill with that habit. Right. Because- the, the other the other thing about this kind of framework that we're going to talk you know more about your kind of six six areas it's like this framework of like following through with with promises well, I mean really really what we're 
describing when we talk about, you know, building the habit of following through with the promises you make to yourself, what we're really describing is a type of like momentum. Well, it's exactly, it like literally is. It's like, it's, it's action. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's action and, and not, not to get too, uh, you know, heady or ephemeral, but, uh, I think this, this thing is so powerful because it's, it's actually a, it's a concept that applies like across space and time, you know, like the, the law of momentum is like, or momentum is a law of physics. And we have, we have sayings like snowball effect, which are, is just talking about momentum. Snowball st- starts at the top of a hill or top of a mountain and it starts, you know, going downhill. And at first it goes slowly and slowly, but then it builds up momentum It it gets, it gets bigger as it collects more snow, that type of thing. And then by the time it gets to the bottom, it's going super fast and it's super big. It's, it's just a, it's a law of physics. And, you know, I think in a way, uh, you know, like gravity, <laughs> gravity is, is something that you can apply that to. That's, it's definitely, I, f- I feel like that's kind of a, a spiritual type of topic. Cause I really do believe that to be the case, but I guess let's, let's talk about these, your kind of most recent updated framework that you're teaching and you kind of decided to, to break out your life into, you know, six different areas. And then within each of those areas, you're basically talking about, okay, you're, you want to, you don't want to neglect any of them. It's like, yeah, you want to focus more on one at one time, but you can't neglect the other ones because if you're focusing on your body or your, your health, like you don't want your relationships to go to shit, you know? So I guess first tell me how you decided to split it into six different areas because some people might technically add more areas. Some might, you know, combine something like career and money. Yeah. Just kind of go through why you felt that these were kind of the six pillars that you needed to kind of start teaching about. Yeah. I would say that I'm not, I'm obviously not the first person who says something like this in regards to splitting your life into six different areas. And it's not even necessarily, the framework isn't necessarily about the six areas being the six areas. It is that there are a certain number of areas and that we commit a certain amount of time, energy, and attention to each area. And the amount of resources that we commit to each area is finite. And it has to be distributed in a certain manner. And how you distribute it is going to be really important when it comes to the outcome of your life and the outcome of your day and the outcome of your week and the outcome of your emotions. And so I don't know exactly where the six came from. It's probably from, you know, a combination of other people's lists, a combination of just what I have seen in my life and how I like to conceptualize my life. But I think for people who are trying to bite off more than they can chew, people who are go-getters and who are trying to do a lot and are ambitious it's easy to get overwhelmed. And when you can visualize or categorize your life in a certain way, it just makes you feel more organized and it creates a little bit more space in your brain, or it doesn't even necessarily create more space, but it organizes the space in your brain and thinking different ways. And so that's how I came up with the six of health, 
personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational. And you know, it's there's a bunch of subcategories and kind of my next step is defining what the subcategories are. For me, when I define the six, when I say health, there's nutrition, there's fitness, there's hydration, there can be mobility, there can be flexibility, there can be sleep. There's all these different things. Some people might put sleep in the personal area. Some I would put, like me personally, I put maybe mental health in the personal area, whereas some would put mental health in the health area. It doesn't matter. The idea is that there are categories of life, and I just truly believe that it helps people to organize life in different categories to prevent overwhelm and to help categorize how they're going to distribute it the limited resources of time, energy, and attention that we have. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's really, it's kind of a framework that you've found that works for you and has worked for a lot of your clients. And I mean, there's tons of different frameworks out there that people can follow for, you know, self-improvement, but this is, this is the one that you've chosen. It, it's, it works for you. And yeah, it's, it just, it's really just about a, a framework, I guess, of splitting it out so you can organize it and track it. And like you said, not feel overwhelmed about all the things you're trying to do. Yeah. And I think the way that I don't want to go too terribly long. So I think the way that I might finish it is it's the the six areas or the framework, but it's less about the framework is less about the six areas and more about managing and spiking because there are so many people. It's very common to people feel like they don't have balance in their life. They don't have work-life balance. They don't have balance in their relationships, whatever it is. They feel like they lack balance. And so it's important to define what actually balance means for you. And I think if people interpret balance in the wrong way, I think a lot of people think I just need to spend equal amount of time in these areas where it's like, no, like you're you're not going to be able to spend equal amount of time in all of these areas. It needs to be a, a sufficient amount of time for you. And so I truly believe that it's important for us to be managing all areas of our life at any given point in time, but be spiking in one area. And when I say spike, it means that you're distributing more time, energy, and attention to that particular area because you feel like at this point in your life, you want to grow the most in that area. You want to develop, you want to set a big goal in that particular area of your life. So that's where you're going to distribute more time, energy, and attention towards. But while you're doing that, You can't let these other areas of your life go to crap because if they do, it might not cut the rug out from under you today or tomorrow or next year or in five years from now, but at some point, it probably will. At some point, things are going to turn out less than ideal for you because of your neglect of time, energy, and attention in a particular area, whether that is a relationship gone wrong, whether that's your health gone wrong, whether that's your finances gone wrong, whatever it is, the duration of neglect of time, energy, and attention to an area will be directly correlated to the size of the issue that you experience down the road. And so to me, it's really helpful to realize that right now at the time of we're recording this, I am spiking in what I'm calling my personal area of my life where I'm developing my nutrition expertise by doing a lot of reading and listening to podcasting. And I'm dedicating more time, energy, and attention to that area than I would otherwise dedicate. But I'm still trying to make sure I'm taking care of the other areas. And it's not like I'm dedicating the most time necessarily to the nutrition because there's still most of my time going to career. 
But a lot of that stuff during in, in the career is going to get done anyways. It's like you want to choose an area to spike in that would not get done without extra focus, time, energy, and attention. Yeah, I I really like this idea of spiking because there there have been a lot of times where I've tried to pick like multiple areas. Everybody does. Where I've been like quote unquote trying trying to spike, but you use the term balance before and like balance is such a kind of hot word. You know, people, you know, use the term work, work-life balance type of thing all the time. You can achieve some balance, but in a way, the the concept of balance is is fake. Right. And I feel like kind of my uh my street term of describing what you just described about, you know, maintaining versus spiking is, is like, you have to accept that you're going to have to try to be strategically off balance. It Exactly. It depends on what you define as balance. And I truly believe that the definition of balance should be different for every single person. But I think balance for me is feeling like I am dedicating sufficient time, energy, and attention to all the areas so that it's a foundation for which I can build on. Meaning if I'm really solid in all these areas, I have a strong foundation in which to really challenge myself in a different area and really get out of my comfort zone. So that if I do challenge myself and really get out of my comfort zone and I fail or I screw up or something goes horribly wrong, I have that foundation to fall back on. You know, if you have a foundation to of all those areas of your life and you really want to stretch yourself in your health, meaning maybe you go for a competition. Let's say somebody does an ultra marathon and they get injured, ill, something happens and cuts the rug out from under them for six weeks where they can't do something. If you don't have your finances in order, you're going to stress a whole lot more about your job or you might be in a bad place because you can't do your job because you're now sick or or, or hurt. If you don't have your relationships in order, you could be in a bad mental place because you're not going to have that support system to help you through that difficult time. And so I think that managing is a foundation for which to build on to then help you if something goes wrong, but it's also the foundation for if something does just go wrong out of chance, right? So like, I think there's two levels of discomfort or two ways to experience discomfort, willingly or unwillingly, meaning willingly that you decide that you're going to go get uncomfortable, unwillingly like something happens to you, whether that's COVID, whether that is whatever it is, right? Something actually happens to you. And so if something happens to you, your house gets burnt down or knocked over by a tornado. If you have that foundation built, you're going to have, not that it's going to be easy to experience that, but it's going to be 10 times easier than if you didn't have that strong foundation. So I think that, again, the purpose of managing is a lot of different things, but I think it's the foundation for which to build on to catch you if you fall down, but it's the foundation to support you also when something like life happens, when something invariably bad luck happens to you. Yeah, it's such a good uh, way to kind of put it into an image, you know, of kind of understanding the framework and the, and the why of the framework, you know, we've talked, we've talked mostly like conceptual 
uh, about the framework. <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of times where people struggle is, is moving conceptual to, to practical, right? So give us, give us a window into how Nick Carrier <laughs> manages his own framework. Like, you know, you're, you're spiking in personal and specifically nutrition right now, but there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so many days in a week. How are, how are you managing the other five areas? I mean, are you looking at each area every day? Are you doing something in each area every day? Or you look at it more in like a, you know, I want to do, I need to do these things over this week or this, this month, just, yeah, kind of walk us through your practicality of it, how, how you manage it. Cause you know, managing six different areas sounds, it can sound overwhelming, but the reality is, is like, you might only have to spend 30 minutes or 45 minutes on, you know, one of those maintaining areas in a week. We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-week transformation program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020, and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it, and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say. My name's Vanessa and I joined Nick's 10 week program because I really wanted to challenge the stereotype that college kids are perpetually exhausted, stressed, and running off of mac and cheese and PB&J. Since joining Nick's 10 week program, I have had the goal of just incorporating more consistent exercise and working out four to five times a week. And so I've been able to do that. I hit my goal of getting in 50 workouts over 10 weeks, which is really exciting. And my favorite part though about the program is the things that I've taken, how I've changed outside of the gym because of what I've done inside the gym. Like I am a more disciplined, more focused human being. And I know that when I say that I'm gonna do something, the follow through is going to happen. And that's things that I've learned all through the 10 week program. And so that's been my favorite part. You should join Nick's program. Like you need this. <laughs> No, I think no, I'm glad that you brought it up. So try to run it, run through it pretty quickly. When we were over at, when we were at Christmas, I started doing this. I conceptualized 2022 into the four different quarters that it is. Q1 being January through March and every three months. And so I decided for Q1, which area of my life I wanted to spike in. And that was where personal with nutrition expertise. And so I defined what that looked like with regards to reading nine different books and and listening to, what is it, 13 different podcasts. And so that was spiking for me. So I defined that at the beginning of the year. And then to stay on the macro level, I defined what managing the other five areas actually meant. And I could have just pulled it up, but it's like working out X number of times a week, essentially. I didn't, I'm not tracking my nutrition because I feel like I already have solid habits there. And so if I ever felt like my habits diminished to the point where they required tracking again, then I would do so. But it was really about tracking the number of workouts and specifically runs with my half marathon training. And then with relationships, it was an all transparency, transparency going on a certain number of dates and then making sure that I also 
followed up with three college friends at least two times during the three months. And then it was trying to schedule, <laughs> trying to schedule a golf trip with my college buddies. I haven't done that yet, but I've been working on it. Uh, it's getting here towards the end of the quarter, but with relationships, it was scheduling a golf trip. So that's what relationships look like for spiritual throughout Q1. It was literally do my Bible app every single day for the 90 days. And it was also listen to YouTube church one time a week. So I'll just, I'll stop with those areas and then I'll take it to the smaller scale with regards to my week. I have a journal here that I write down the six different. Real quick. So you're, you're splitting up into quarters, right? So, so three month periods, it's not for the whole year. It's just, you've, you've found that a quarter is more of a bite-sized chunk that is manageable and you can define what a quarter looks like. Yeah. You know, it's, Often people who are Best You members will ask me, how long should I spike in a particular area of my life? And that's completely up to you. What I do say for them with regards to guidelines and something to think about is you want to spike for long enough in an area to where you have the ability to achieve meaningful results, but probably not too long in the same area or too long on the same thing in that area to the point where you lose engagement with it and you get bored with it. And so... Whatever that balance is for you of the period of time that you do it, then go for it. But even if it's spiking in the same area of your life for an entire year, for an entire two years, or an entire three years, I would recommend that you change how you define spiking. You know, if you're spiking in your career in quarter number one, probably needs to look a little bit different than spiking your career in quarter number two. Hopefully, it should look different if you are actually progressing. And so I think that's a good timeline to check in with yourself to see what kind of meaning results you have achieved and then change things up as need be. So for me, quarters work with regards to conceptualizing spikes, but that's what I would say with regards to the duration. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, I, I interrupted you. Tell me more about your uh, what you do in your journal for the day-to-day. So with my week, again, I have this journal that I write down literally the six different areas, health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, relational. And then I have some subcategories like podcasts and then other. And so I define what success looks like in each of those areas for me each week. For this area and my health, it's to do four workouts, being lifting wise, and then two runs. Personally, reading seven times a week for an hour, and then listening to my week nine podcast and notes. And so I'll, I'll spiritually with, since I mentioned that at a macro level, it will, it's listen to my, or open up my Bible app and do it seven times and then listen to one YouTube church. And so it's essentially at the beginning of every single week, I'll go back to look at, okay, what did I have planned for this quarter? What have I done? What have I not done yet? And what of it do I need to be doing this particular week? And it's, it sounds like it's a lot of work, but it's really not because most things or a lot of things from week to week are just repeats. With the workouts, with the health, it's always been four workouts and two runs for a long time. With the spiritual, it's been seven times with the app, one time with church, with personal, it's been seven times for an hour. You know, it's it's repeat things often. With career is a little bit more variable. But you want to be touching slash managing each area every week, in my opinion. Not necessarily every single day, but each week. Because I think, at least for my days, so much of it is consumed with things like work that I don't, 
I'm not willing and able to dedicate the time to some certain other things until maybe the weekend or maybe on days where I have less work. And so I don't think that you necessarily need to touch on every area each day, but I think it is important to try to touch on area each week. Now that's optimal. That's optimal. There's going to be weeks where people completely forget about things, but you just want to try not to get neglect one area of your life for too long. Let's put it out there for the people listening. Does does Nick Carrier check off every single thing on his list every single week? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I feel like if I did, I wouldn't be challenging myself appropriately. And so basically when I create my to-do list, if you will, at the beginning of every single week, it's a bet. It's a bet. It's a, I bet I have the time, energy, and attention to dedicate to this number of things this week, given what I see right now. But inevitably, there's going to be certain things that infiltrate my week that were unexpected. And you just have to be okay with that by the end of the week. You can't be, back to what we said earlier, you can't be critical of yourself for not having done some things. You have to be give yourself grace because like, oh, that did come up. I, I really did need to give the time, energy, and attention to that instead of this on Wednesday or whatever. And so, no, I don't check off every single thing every single week. Obviously, the goal is to come close as close to that as I possibly can and learn from whether I did or whether I did not on how to execute at a higher level the following week. Yeah, well, that's number one, that's a relief. And <laughs> number two is just, you know, I think it's it's just important that even the people, you know, teaching these kinds of frameworks, like like you, it's like perfect perfection is not something that's attainable or even something that should try to be attained. Like you're you're constantly just trying. You hit it on the head what I what I like to say. I like to say successful people are not perfect all the time, but when they do imperfect things, they self-correct quickly. So when you feel yourself navigating away from certain positive habits, you want to try to get yourself back on the railroad tracks as quickly as possible. Well, before I ask the last question, I'm just going to acknowledge you. Appreciate you joining me today. Appreciate you for being the big brother that you are, for teaching me the different things that you've taught me, including financial framework, including going out on a limb and trying to increase your confidence with adaptability because that's something that you've done a, a really good job of. And yeah, just want to acknowledge you. And so uh, last question is, I think getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant and a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to that best version of Connor Carrier that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I think we've, we've talked about a couple of them. And the first one is just the constant patience with the journey and, you know, being, being kind to myself when I slip up and I'm not doing, you know, perfectly the things that I, you know, told myself that I was going to do, which obviously involves self-correcting quickly, having patience and understanding that if you do good things often enough and well enough, like I'm going to get where, where I want to be. 
So that's the first one. The second one is, is more, much more practical, which is just getting better sleep. Like hours wise, I typically get sufficient, but it's kind of all over the place in terms of when I go to bed. Sometimes when I wake up, so I'm trying to develop more of a, a steady sleep schedule, you know, try to go to bed around the same time, wake up around the same time. And one of the things involved in that is just putting my phone away earlier in the night and not bringing it to bed, that type of thing. The third one is, is essentially how you always open up this question, which is, you know, we're all different. We're all unique people and we're all kind of on our own paths. And like, you know, your Nick's version uh, or his, his path, his journey is going to be different than mine. So I think just the, the constant reminder that like I'm on Connor's path, I'm not on anybody else's path. And just that, that constant reminder helps you, you know, prevent the constant comparison that you might have with, with other people. And that, I think it's just accepting that, that you are you and you're on your own path and nobody else's. Boom. That's great. That's great. From a macro level, I think that everybody's answers to the three questions are always within the six areas. I think that when you said patience and that last one of comparison, like I feel like those are subcategories of personal. Like we personally need to gain competence with not comparison and skill around certain levels of comparison and skill and competence around patience. And then obviously sleep is a subcategory of, of health. But anyways, just thought I'd point that out. But anyways, that's all we got today, bro. Appreciate you joining on with me today. That was a ton of fun. We'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. It was a great time. Man, that was just an absolute blast with my brother. I feel super special, or not special, that's the wrong word. I feel super blessed to be able to have a brother that I have a good enough relationship with, or a great relationship with, I should say, for him to be willing to join me on the podcast. Not even him to be willing, but for me to want him to join me on the podcast, because that shows how much I love him and how much I respect him for all the things that he does and for all the things that he shows me and teaches me and impresses upon me. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did because I thought it was just a blast, just a blast. If you enjoyed it, make sure that you share it with a friend or family member by sending them to nickcurrier.com slash podcast. And you can leave a five-star rating review on the Apple Podcast app by just scrolling to the bottom and clicking rate and review. It'll just take a couple of quick seconds. But I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had with him and the interview that I had with him and the conversations and the questions that he asked on me. And I hope you guys feel a little bit more equipped to handle your finances, to handle the unknown, to confront those challenges, more equipped to set meaningful and believable goals, more equipped to be patient, to have patience en route to your goals, the importance of setting up small wins for yourself so you can get that feedback, so you can get that gratification. And I hope you realize the importance of following through with the promises that you make to yourself, because those are things that if done on a regular basis will help you continue to get closer and closer to your best you yeah.